0: Welcome to the Business Design Podcast. I'm Dr. Kent.
1: And I'm Randy Baker. And today we're talking all things sales. Selling, building sales teams.
0: Selling sales, like really big ones for boats.
1: So today we're talking to Mark Evans, who has some really interesting stories about his family selling everything and moving, and a small-town life centred around a newspaper and where he learned all his sales skills.
0: Yeah, I loved, you know, hearing that he, well, we won't tell you too much, but there's a lot of printing in his family. And um, just, you know, Mark has a really unique view on what sales look like. The one thing I forgot uh, to talk too much about uh, in the interview is that Mark originally reached out to me on LinkedIn, or maybe it was an email, but offering to send me a pint of ice cream in exchange for a chat it was a really great technique. And I think he references it in the interview. But um, I still haven't got my ice cream, Mark. Oh, so Mark! Wow, how disappointing. <laughs> anyway,
1: let's let's <laughs> listen to the interview with um, with Mark Evans. Don't
0: hold lack of ice cream against him. So, Mark, great to talk to you again. I think um, the last time we spoke, it was super memorable because I think afterwards we got a personalized video from you. We we do that kind of thing. It's kind of, it's at one time awesome, maybe a tiny bit creepy, but mostly just really great.
2: I certainly hope so. You know, most people aren't used to getting videos from strangers on the Internet. However, I feel (laughs) in this... Kind of this disconnected sales world, or just this disconnected business world, getting an insight and seeing a video of someone's office, or if they're out and about, really brings a level of personality and a level of humanity that I think can so often be missing in business, and especially in sales.
0: So probably the most interesting thing for me about you is that you come at sales from a, from a different angle, and probably one that's more appealing the way i see it for the you know the 2020s and 30s and as we go forward because hard selling hopefully they'll kind of go the way of the cult you know it, people will kind of open their eyes a bit more um and and there will be you know value exchanged on the sales call but what, what are your thoughts on that
2: yeah i certainly agree with you kent and i hope it goes the way of the cult uh just as well I really feel that there's we're getting overwhelmed right now. Most people are getting overwhelmed with sales messaging. And so in order to really stand out today, I think salespeople really need to embrace, number one, that they need to be providing value. And value can look like a lot of different things, but it certainly should look like just trying to add a level of education to the mix that I think so often is missing. And number two, since we are receiving so many sales messages and generic sales messages is that just standing out a little, whether it be a video email, whether it be leading the conversation with, hey, Kent, I would like to send you some ice cream in exchange for a 20-minute conversation. That's a different way to approach a conversation and to start a relationship than, Kent, would you like to come on a 30-minute, you know, presentation or demo of my product that you may or may not be a fit for.
0: So I had forgotten about the ice cream. Thanks for slipping that in there. So I, I, now I remember that that's how we met. You said, Hey, I'd love to have a conversation with you and I'd be happy to send you some ice cream. And I said, sure. (laughs) And you said, what kind? And I told you my favorite kinds of ice cream. And from then on, it was a good conversation, right? So I very, very interesting how you can kind of connect with people on a a very real uh, level. And that was, that was a cool trick. So, so what kind of weird responses have you had to the ice cream kind of outreach?
2: Well, there's been a variety of responses. Mostly have been successful and mostly have been really positive. And those individuals understand that, all right, there's this is a different way of looking at it. And I think as a salesperson, if you just approach it from, hey, this is my foot in the door. This doesn't mean that they're going to purchase a product. That doesn't mean that they're tied to life with me. Uh, but this is just a way in which I can try to get my foot in the door and have a conversation, right? And at least try to use it as a way to see if there's any sort of value exchange. Can I... Put provide some value to this individual. I think that's where it can be most successful. Now on the flip side, I have uh, in the same day where I've sent, let's say I've sent 20 of those emails where I get a very positive response, someone saying and just raving about the experience. There's also the flip side as well. Um, There's been some terrible, terrible people who have said just uh, you know, extremely inappropriate things to me based off of the fact that I want to offer them ice cream. And so my only message in that is that no matter what you do, people are going to love it. A small minority are probably going to hate it, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. It's not about you. It's about um, it's about them, and it's about who can you help, and it's about the person that you're ultimately trying to help. And so I try to stay rooted in that, regardless of the response.
0: So when when we're looking at sort of how to design a business, I think a lot of people are immediately thinking about their sales funnel, right? Oh, how do I build my sales funnel, and who do I hire? Where do I fit in? I'm not a salesperson. All these kind of standard rote phrases. Or if you're a bigger company, it's like, oh, the salespeople don't understand me, or I, I don't. Or they don't understand the product. Or there are all these issues around sales. So what do you? You know, how do you categorize kind of different levels of sales teams? And you know, from you know solopreneur on up to a, a Fortune 100, what kind of sales work?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a good question. And that's got a couple of different facets, right? So there's everything from founder led sales to your large enterprise level sales, and they all have individual facets inside of that. So I guess I would say, let's start in the beginning, right, where most individuals start from where that's the entrepreneur or founder led sales. And I think a lot of founders are really quick to want to say, well, let's build out this entire system. Let's focus on the maybe the machine before they're actually figuring out just the like where do you even provide value? So I would say if you're an entrepreneur or if you're a founder listening to this, just try to have as many conversations as you can and try to provide value to people. Be less concerned about automated funnels and about you know abandoned cart emails and upsell techniques and things like that, and just focus on having really good conversations with people that feel it into your ideal customer profile. In order to have that, you really have to understand, right, who are you trying to sell to? Um, so I see a lot of entrepreneurs make the mistake of, well, let's build all these things, right, and then we'll go out and sell it. And I really feel like it should be in reverse, right? Let's let's build a minimal viable product or a minimal viable course or whatever it's going to be. And let's just try to sell that. Let's try to get a pilot. Let's try to get some sort of test case. That's where I'd recommend for founder. Now, as you grow up the chain, right, and as you go from founder-led sales to maybe you're now leading a small sales team and that sales team is growing, that's where really the replication and the systemization of sales can be very beneficial. So if you're a founder-led salesperson, or if you're running a team, every process and procedure in your sales, let's say funnel, should be documented. Right? there's no reason that we look at sales so differently from something like engineering, right? We're in engineering or in accounting or in finance, we have very rigid processes, procedures, kind of rules of going about it. However, once we cross over into the sales side, of the company. It's like, well, salespeople, they just kind of do their own thing. They get on conversations. Maybe they take someone out to golf and and that's just how it works, right? And there's no way we can kind of systematize it. I really feel like that's a disservice and that's kind of a lazy way of approaching sales. Sales definitely has a process in which they can follow. And it's often just a matter of trying to understand and reverse engineer what all it takes to go from prospect or suspect to an actual customer. And the smart founders really take time to understand what is every piece of that process? They document it. They give it to their sales team and say, let's replicate this. Let's optimize this.
0: So now I have to kind of dig deep on that. So I'm, I'm representing both Randy and me on the call today. So I have, to, I have to do his side. That was my obligation to kind of ask a little business stuff up front um now i'm curious about mark kind of where you came from and and especially i think we both have a midwest connection so yeah i'd love to to, to hear maybe what what you hucked from door to door as a kid like were you, were you selling lp records like i was for my orchestra what was what was your start into sales and um yeah who are you as a, as a person
2: yeah, well I think there's a couple fundamental things that that changed me as a kid or has kind of evolved my to where I am today. Number 1 is my parents are entrepreneurs and when I was about 4 years old they sold just about everything that we had and moved my family from all of our friends and family at that time about four hours away to a community we had never been to or didn't know anybody. So I think seeing my parents risk that and seeing the challenges that came with that, seeing the ultimate success that that was, really helped shape me not just as an entrepreneur, but really as a salesperson, I really feel a connection with small and medium-sized businesses where maybe it's a founder or it's a founder and their spouse together working in that business. I feel a real connection with that. I know what that's like. I know how a business isn't just a number and uh, on a bottom line, but how that can provide for a family. So I have a strong connection with that. And number two, I have, uh, I grew up as the third child out of four and I have three sisters. So that has uniquely kind of shaped my perspective on the world and, um, and just having the ability to hopefully spark some really good connection and conversation with individuals of whether male or female sex or, and having kind of that, that dynamic. So I think those are the two main things that have helped make me and kind of grow me into who I am today.
0: So three sisters that's that's exciting <laughs> so uh and so, when you're four years old, your parents so your parents have at least three kids, if not four, yeah, they not up close. and sell everything, so they they had four at that point, and they just kind of said, "Okay, here we go," and all four kids uprooted we so go into that some more i'm I'm really curious what that was like um and and what they did what were they what were they doing
2: yeah. So my father comes from a long line of printers. So individuals that put ink on paper and entrepreneurs that were in printers. So I think my father is like the seventh generation printer in his what? family. Yeah, I know. Pretty crazy. We That's can trace insane. it all the way back to Ireland and England. And um, yeah, it's so pretty they, neat. like
0: the broad, like broadsheet printers, like way back, like the, wow. Yeah.
2: Linotype and yeah.
0: That was, like, way back then, that was the racy, crazy, like, you know, edgy stuff, you know, back in back in the old world. That's neat.
2: Back in the day. Yeah. Back in the day. And so my dad grew up in an entrepreneurial family where my grandfather would start these like local newspapers that would be in a town of like less than 2000. So now, you know, less than the size of a Facebook group that you could join right now. And they would get these little papers going. And I think what they really loved the most was being an integral communicative part of that community, right? Because a newspaper for those that are maybe of a younger generation at some point for these smaller communities it was really like the main hub that drove everything and so so my dad grew up in that he's the oldest of 15 children um, and 15? of the, and 15 I know 15 pretty amazing 15 all in an entrepreneurial family you could uh, say
0: your your grandparents were just printing children basically right
2: so. i've not heard that one <laughs> but that's pretty good That's pretty good. Uh, And then they, so imagine, right, not just being the oldest of 15 and, and, and moving away from that family where they had really deep roots in Western Illinois, where they were from. And so to uproot, I mean, they could go to a gas station and chances are they're related to like three or four of the people that are just randomly coming in in these small towns. And so I try to say that to put that in perspective, that they weren't just leaving a community, but they were leaving. Um, just generations of families. And so I I always, whenever I'm faced with a difficult decision of like, all right, do we change our website? Really a trivial decision, right? Do we upgrade our CRM? I look at the risk that my parents had to take with four children loading up a minivan, taking a risk on a one employee print shop, uh, you know, four hours away in a community that they've never been to. And it really helps put things in perspective.
0: I love that. I think the idea of, of measured risk um, I'm always, you know, talking about the value of risk and it feels like kind of ironically, young people are not, it feels like the world is more risky, but it's kind of, kind of not, you know, young people are being escorted to front doors to trick or treat, you know, they're, everything is protected, everything is, whereas online is scary and, and unregulated, but in that world kind of looking forward into the future what's the work you're doing so you are yeah sure you're you're developing sales teams you're working with you know corporations with entrepreneurs but what is it you're really trying to do because obviously from seven seven generations of printers trying to bring a voice to small communities and so forth and whatever what's the real underlying thing you're trying to do? Because obviously there's some kind of mission underneath all of this. What are you trying to break? What are you trying to disrupt? What's what's your model?
2: Yeah, what I've seen throughout dozens of businesses I've either been a part of or I've consulted with or worked with or know of as friends that are also founders and entrepreneurs. What breaks my heart more than anything when I see an entrepreneur is when they are held captive by their sales process, or a lack of a sales process, or a salesperson individually, right? When I see an entrepreneur that's got a great product, they've got a great heart, they really are doing well and right by their customers. Yet the thing that holds them back is the fact that they don't have the clarity, they don't have the confidence to go out and either add more salespeople, or find better, higher quality salespeople. And their business suffers. And they languish in what I would almost call this the state of like, I'm too afraid to break out of this and to hire better people. And I'm comfortable just enough to stay in my current situation. They're in the breaks marriage. So that's what I'm really focused on is helping entrepreneurs create an onboarding and hiring system in which they can multiply their sales efforts. And they're not beholden to their own um, either sales team right, that manages and holds all the information and holds other cards, but gives the business back to the entrepreneur so that they can thus grow their sales, grow their revenue, grow their business.
0: And what is it? What is a good outcome for you if you're working with folks? And, you know, I mean, with with an eye towards, you know, an entrepreneur or a business owner or an executive who's trying to to go in a positive direction, what's the good outcome? When do you kind of put your hands over your chest and say, all right, this is great. Let's do the next one now.
2: Mm. The best outcome for us is when we work with an entrepreneur who has no onboarding process, has no recruiting process and has no way of taking a sales candidate and turning them into a sales superstar in just a short period of time. When we're able to work with them to extract the knowledge that's usually residing in that entrepreneur's head, maybe in some of their top sales reps' heads as well, or it's scattered throughout the entire organization, when we can take that knowledge and put that all in one easy-to-access process and systematized area... Uh, and then deliver that back to the entrepreneur, so they can go ahead and recruit and hire and onboard and ramp and have those sales reps consistently hit quota and consistently grow the business. That's where I feel like, oh, that's where we're making a big difference in the world.
0: And if you, if you could give one tip to uh, really small people starting up about sales, uh, what would that be?
2: Mm, ask better questions is what I would say. If you are in a sales situation, continue to ask more questions because the person that asks the better question will always win in a sales situation. It demonstrates a level of authority. It demonstrates credibility. And also too, it helps get you to the answer more frequent than not. So ask better questions and don't be afraid to ask a more difficult question.
0: Speaking of difficult questions, I know this isn't a difficult one, but uh, where can people find you online and what kind of folks are you looking for?
2: Yeah, where to find us online is at on my website, getsaleskit.com. That's a great place to start. We've got links to resources and other ways to get in contact. And then good fits for us are small and medium-sized businesses that are entrepreneurial founded, entrepreneurial led, and are looking to grow in terms of adding more salespeople over the next year.
0: And is there, on the other side of you, is there a really, really happy ice cream salesperson? Or do you actually order those uh, buckets of ice cream yourself?
2: I try to order them all myself and use various tools of like Uber Eats <laughs> um, or DoorDash or something like that. So I'm sure there's a lot of like DoorDash and Uber Eats drivers that are very happy and hopefully very thrilled with the business we're sending in their way.
0: So thanks for joining me. I uh, really appreciate it. And um, yeah, can't wait till the next time.
2: Sounds great. Thank you, Kent.
0: Thanks, Mark. That was a, a great interview. I particularly
1: love the story about the small town newspaper, which was the hub of a town of 2,000 people. So that was great. Thank you for sharing that.
0: I really enjoyed that chat. And um, yeah, no. know. No hard feelings about the ice cream. I mean, I do love a good ice cream on a, on a summer day. I mean, I, it would make my life a whole lot better. I mean, a little mint chip or Rocky Road or even that original, you know, even some frozen yogurt. Right? I
1: could do with a good frozen yogurt. So something to be said about that sales technique. You offer something and then not deliver <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a losing mark that's the, that's the way you want to do it I think that's a losing proposition
0: I'm giving Mark a hard time here he actually he, he did offer to send it I think I said oh it's alright yeah. right. so we're just kidding around it was a great interview and really fun and it was a great,
1: the, the whole ice cream thing was a very good way of getting response so well done Mark, that was
0: awesome If you'd like a response to something, feel free to shoot over to our thoughtpartnergroup.com website and you you click on the assessment in the upper right corner. Um, Theoretically, we'll respond to you. You know, we might even respond really quickly. And if you're really looking for something
1: different, you know, you're not kind of as vanilla, maybe you're looking for something like rubber raisin or something even more interesting like pumpkin and bacon which sounds a little bit crazy I think maybe you should jump over to crazymba.com is that there yet Kent
0: I think it might be yeah we have to we'll have to look later but if yeah if you're sniffing some cayenne ice cream it might be hosted on uh, that crazy MBA website yeah so I uh, can't give you any secrets except that
1: you you should go and take a look that's it it's crazy. Bye for now.